One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello! And welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to look back on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw but also SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, AW Dynamite, oh. AW Rampage, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. There were some good moments to this show, Hamlet. I've been waiting all year for a Raw that I enjoyed as much as this one. To be able to say to you, 24 hours after we tried our best to be enthusiastic reviewing Friday Smackdown and say that Raw is WWE's best show because this was absolutely, categorically, objectively more entertaining than the last... Six, seven months of SmackDown. <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns defeated Daniel Bryan. There. There's your cut offline. That was the point at which SmackDown was better than this episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, I know it's this like quite lame hot take at this point to sort of suggest that SmackDown's rubbish, even though it is. Uh, raw is better than SmackDown. That's how rubbish SmackDown is. This Raw was, at least. Had a good time. I had an all right time watching this. <laughs> what? I had an all right time watching this. There was a match to kick off. That was scheduled. Main event was set. Main event was set. The opening match was scheduled. We just got a little preamble before it, which is absolutely fine. And I'm telling you now, there was something on this show that I earnestly had a massive smile on my face watching, Mm. and I genuinely actually pissed myself laughing during it. There was some WWE-flavored stuff that I always hate, but could kind of half tolerate because the actual delivery was okay. I emerged from this raw without wanting to just never watch it again. And that is progress, my friend. Indeed. And I sense it's probably the same bit that we all enjoyed, which quite possibly is the funniest thing WWE have done intentionally this year, I think. I mean, I can't think of anything better. And when it does happen, you forget. That's the point. Like the biggest popper I can think of other than this for this year was something unintentional, which was Seamus doing Jeff Hardy's dance on the top rope. Yeah, and obviously yeah, but he was, he was, he was he meant to do laugh. it. Yeah, yeah, he wanted a, yeah. a giggle out of it, but it's uh, but they never said to him, "Do Jeff Hardy's dance." That's Seamus being Seamus. Did a good actual production shot once of I think it was the Miz's slow mo, uh, Joe Mo slow mo. But when Miz was in the wheelchair, yes, and yes. he was like was very good. slow to do it. That was genuinely a good production choice, but we got something even better. Uh, right, let's start at the beginning of the show. Uh, out comes Seth Rollins to open it up. 
Uh, he welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. Uh, he says, maybe I should be upset after last week, but no one can keep me down. Not Finn Balor, not Kevin Owens, and certainly not Big E. No one. He says, I'm in a good mood tonight. You want to know why? Because I've got a secret. Breaking news, he is going to be getting his WWE Championship match against Big E at day one, and all things are going to change uh, on the first day of the new year. It's going to start a reign that defines the future of WWE before he can go any further and really bang on. In comes Finn Balor, who is his opponent for tonight. Balor sort of half does his entrance and half goes, I'm going to kill you for attacking me before we had our match last week. He clotheslined Rollins into the timekeeper's area. He chucks him around ringside. Rollins fights back, but then Balor hits him with a sling blade and twats him with the steel steps. And Rollins is struggling to get to his feet, but insists on the referee ringing the damn bell. And immediately, uh, Finn Balor comes in, drop kicks Seth and does that mad flip dive to take us into a break. Uh, when we come back, Balor still in control, but then Rollins uh, counters the coup de gras and hits a superplex into a falcon arrow off the top rope. Uh, Rollins goes for the frog splash. Balor gets his knees up and uh, cradles Seth Rollins for a two count. Balor hits another foot stomp, gets a two count again, uh, but Rollins fights Black sling blade and a super kick for a near fall for him. He goes for the stomp. Balor avoids it. Another sling blade, shotgun drop kick. Balor goes to the coup de grace. Rollins avoids it. They trade strikes. Uh, Balor sets up for that reverse DDT of his, and Rollins just pokes him in the eye, but the referee misses it. That allows Rollins to hit him with the back elbow. Curb stomp, one, two, three. I can't believe how much I enjoyed this. Mm. Seth Rollins' promo wasn't as tediously, offensively long as normal. It's WWE, so there has to be some criticisms because they're incapable of doing everything or pretty much of anything earnestly very, very well. They made Seth Rollins, through the way that the match was arrived at, look a bit too much like a badass. I ring the bell, I've been kicked in. That's a babyface attribute. It did, yeah, it did weaken Balor. That, that they should have not ignored. So there's that. Like Balor doing, having his cake and eat it, the first car he's had in his life. <laughs> but having his cake and eat it by doing his pulls and then going like into a different mode of, I'm not doing my pose, but mm-hmm. you just don't, you just don't, you're <laughs> actually doing your pose. But at least it was something. At least it was something. Otherwise, as a short match, I thought this was an urgent, blistering sprint that was so exciting, you lost your rational mind. We talk about this on the Dynamite review constantly. Ahead of the match, you know who's going to win, right? You know who's getting pushed, and you know who isn't. More often than not, the action is so hot or the storytelling is so good that you get lost in it and your rational mind just isn't there and you just get hooked in the action. This had a dynamite flavor to it, this mm. opener. Genuinely urgent, blistering sprint, improbably dramatic. The work was really, really neat and cute and not cute, neat and crisp, that's the word I was mm. looking for, without it feeling not enough like a struggle. And look, they're going all the way with Seth Rollins. Whether you think that's a good idea strategically, given his drawing record, maybe not. But I'm starting to get the uh, the feeling, it's a particularly good one, but, you know, it's something that they might go all the way with the Seth Rollins push going into WrestleMania season. And that's a strength of how, I don't want to say well, how prominently they've booked him. But, yeah, this was really, really good. Yeah, um, I would classify this as disarmingly entertaining because I was caught off guard with how much I enjoyed this. Again, I think it was so important that the uh, the Seth Rollins stuff was kept short. 
because one of the things that kills these raw audiences and it kills them from the off is that knowledge of what's coming and how to kind of mentally prepare yourself for the night ahead. You, <laughs> they, they want you to, like WWE want a live crowd to just get up in the opening segment and stay there. That's why, like, you still have these 20-minute show opening promos because once upon a time when the wrestlers were over, it worked. Steve Austin The Rock did it 20 years ago, and we're still doing it now because they want their wrestlers to be as over as those two. Um, but because this was short and it fed straight into a match and no characters, and it would come... And this is... Sidgwick's bang right about the... There has to be a criticism. Like, no character's integrity was compromised here, and yet it would be later in the show. Seth Rollins is a character that by the end of the night, the writing of Seth Rollins, I know for a fact I'm going to be critical of when we get to this main event. And that's what's so annoying about watching WWE sometimes is over the course of a three-hour show, your investment can't remain at that highest level for a single character because they can't help themselves slash don't know how to do it right. And that's quite frustrating because off the back of this opening, exactly the same feelings. I was thinking, I don't feel great about Seth Rollins beating Big E, but I can start to visualise it. Yeah, I don't feel great about... Not as great as I did last summer about, might they have something in Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns here because people love S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff that much that you can get one big match out of it. And yet I'm thinking, well, they could because he could potentially be an outsider for the Rumble all of a sudden. You know, like you start picturing Seth Rollins in these big roles because it just feels committed, um, undermined slightly by the, end of the, by the end of the episode. But yeah, a super strong start. Finn Balor, I guess, is kind of a casualty, but it doesn't matter. Like, we say this sometimes, WWE benefits from their own ineptitude because if they want you to care about Finn Balor one week, they'll just do it. Mm. They'll put a month of work into him and then you'll care all over again. Everyone is disposable, but ultimately that allows for situations such as this. Exactly. Right, let's move on to more Egg. stuff. Uh, as a follow-up <laughs> on this because uh, we had Austin Theory hanging out with Vince McMahon in his office backstage. I'm going to start this with an apology. I, I don't know what Vince said again. I have no idea. Uh, I caught it this time. I know, I know bits. Like, he initially gets asked by Theory, oh, oh, oh how, how you doing? He's, 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 he's not a hick. Okay. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to nail this one. I can't do impressions. But I think <laughs> I've got something with this Vince. So Vince invited he us. He would tell you he's a hick, though, didn't he? He's big on that old, like, oh, yeah, I grew up in a trailer park, a rags to, like, crush leaves to riches type story. You know? Like, is that his <laughs> That's his life. So he, he uh, invites Theory to watch the show with him tonight. Uh, Theory's a bit nervous, but, I mean, what an opportunity this is. Uh, but then Vince says, if you steal from me again, I'll kill you. Can I do the voice? Absolutely. Because, right, so... Vince in the office, he invites Austin Theory. You know, come and watch Raw with me. He goes, well, Austin, let's turn out, make an impression. <laughs> I mean, that's too good. That's <coughs> you can do impressions. That one's too good. It's like, I felt as weird listening to that as I did watching all of these segments. But, like the other segments, I found that also quite compelling. <laughs> I was slightly enthralled by it. Do you think this, the story here in his, his sort of... Yeah, prepare for a surprise. <laughs> senile old brains, yeah. he's like, Austin, uh, i got some sort of affinity <laughs> with that name. There are two Austins getting a lot of television time across both major promotions and neither of them are the one we actually want to watch. That's a mega issue. Uh, right, we got the uh, Women's Championship contract signing next. Nice bit of synergy with <laughs> Becky Lynch basically wearing the same jacket and fluffy 
thing that uh, Rollins had walked out with earlier. Uh, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan come out. Becky Lynch says, uh, hey, congratulations, Liv. It's your first contract signing. Happy that you can be here. Congratulations that I gave that to you, basically, from firing you up last week. She says, you do know that one punch isn't going to be enough to beat me, though. What are you going to do when you finally get the shot? And she said, I've already signed the contract. Get on with it. You sign it, Liv. And Sonya Deville announces that the match is going to happen next week uh, on Monday Night Raw. And Becky says, oh, Long Island not getting the title match then, is it? Well, that's probably because their hockey team sucks so damn much that they've never won a match or whatever it is. They're not ready for a title match. It gets a bit of heat, that, of course. Uh, and Morgan tells her to shut up. She says, look, I maybe did get a little bit upset last week, but I channeled my emotions and used my fist instead of crying. But you were crying at Survivor Series. I knew that voice was coming. Um, and she showed a clip of, of an emotional Becky Lynch post-Survivor Series talking about her history with Charlotte Flair and the moments she shared with them and uh, talking about almost dying in a car crash. And Morgan goes, loser, what, what is this emotion? There's no crying in wrestling, basically, is what she says. Um, you know, you mock me for crying and then you're sobbing your eyes out. Little bitch. I mean, she didn't say that. She said little baby, but I genuinely thought she was going to say little bitch. Um, so she says, uh, you must hate what you've become. Uh, and she said, you're the reason why my... Sorry, you're the reason why your friend is gone. Just like the reason that your big, fat, greedy contract is the reason why my friends are gone. And she threatens to attack her right now. Sonya Deville keeps them apart. Um, and Lynch responds by saying, look... That was just emotion following a big win, something you would know nothing about. Uh, and then they announced this mad Team Liv versus Team Becky 10-woman tag team match. There's a graphic all made for it, uh, and that's what's coming later on in the show. What do you make of them referencing the firings, for, first of all? Terrible. Um, there's more of it to come. Mm -hmm. um, so you're led to believe off the back of this show that it's going to become a regular thing that they can do. Like, they'll find other opportunities to do this, which is particularly awful, because if you're a wrestler sat at home that has been released, and it's Christmas time, and you're thinking, oh, all right, I need to make the ends meet, or whatever, and then of all the people that can monetize your grief, it's the company that's actually that are making an absolute fortune on this show, and that's, like, just a one part of this is that contract. I know that, like, it's... So is Becky Lynch's contract $300 million? This is it. <laughs> like, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like they're... The, the, the workers are being made to turn on each other rather than looking up and all that sort of stuff's grim. Um, so I don't like that at all. I'm not sure if other people's mileage may vary, but I, if it does, change your mileage. This is rubbish. Don't encourage that sort of behaviour. I thought this was multifariously not great, and it wasn't just because of that. Um, I'm beginning to resent the Becky Lynch heel turn because of how much she has to swim against the tide. Like loads and loads and loads. Her in-ring... I think is maybe the best it's ever been. I'm loving her matches as a heel. She, there's like so much more dimension to her work. Um, and yet every other aspect of this character is beloved. So turn a baby face and just let her work these matches where she knows that she's the best instead. Um, because the promos, the, the, like she's good at finding the heat. The local sports team didn't feel as cheap as it would in the wrong person's mouth because she's a star and she knows how to get that, those lines over. But they're still cheap nonetheless. And you've still got to like, grab these boos kicking and screaming from a, a real star that people actually want to pay to watch. So I'll still argue, as I have done since SummerSlam, that this is a bad idea and it's not working. Worse still, and I didn't want to think it the last two weeks, but I think the evidence was here. Um, 
Liv Morgan ain't it. And I know she's got this like massive fan base online. And I think it's really impressive that she's cultivated an audience. And I think I sympathize with her as much as I do anybody when you watch the likes of those network documentaries. She's not good enough. And that's okay sometimes. Mm. Like these promos. She's not good enough right now. Yeah. Like she is not far enough along in her development because this company can't really develop talent that this promo felt in any way um, believable. Like, her delivery wasn't very good. And again, it's this over-scripting. She's like, uh, again, it's always that thing. It's really hard to measure. I just want to throw to the video that I've had prepared earlier in the day. And she's delivering this monotone robotic line. I don't like the dialogue they're giving her. Because why, why is she mocking someone for getting a yeah, football, anyway? This is that company. Like, you could uh, you could do this sort of, like, hand-wringing, what are we doing here? Well, what we're doing here is reviewing WWE, and they think crying is a weakness in WWE. So, if anything, it's quite on-brand for the brand that we're reviewing, but I'd rather not watch it. I'd rather not see it in my wrestling show, not least when another wrestling angle around emotion has just been one of the most satisfying, like, of the last few years on the other side. So, that's pretty bad, but it's very in keeping with how WWE books its baby faces. So, I can't yeah. feign shock at it. Like, how dare they? This is exactly how they would behave. I'd, yeah, I watched this, and then I got more of it in the match. I was just like, oh, right, well, Liv Morgan isn't the star that they want her to be and need her to be. She's got more to do before she's ready for this spot. More's the pity, um, because I think otherwise you were on, like, you were on your way to a fairly heated match. Did you really any more want to see Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch on TV next week no. after this segment? No. I don't think so. And they went through attacking fired wrestlers to reach that end point. I mean, it just makes Liv Morgan look like an idiot. She already looks like she doesn't belong alongside Becky Lynch. And I understand that's the storyline. But how often does this actually work? Like very, very, very rarely. Very, very, very rarely. So she looks like an idiot for being unable to do simple maths. Because <laughs> Becky Lynch's contract clearly isn't to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. So that just scanned as something to say that made no sense. It's a gross concept to throw out there as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like wrestlers are encouraged to be the best they can and earn the most money. Yeah. And then they get blamed for the sacking. That's like, you can't let a certain section of your audience believe that and they will. Conceptually, logically, a stupid thing to say. The idea that they are trying to get Liv Morgan over as an underdog. I mean, the failed, the prototype of the storyline in Daniel Bryan. So why would I think the diminished returns are going to work if they couldn't even do it right the freaking first time? So that sucked. Um, Becky Lynch's delivery was great, but as Hamlet very astutely pointed out last week, don't um, make the mistake that that's the exact same thing as content. It's exactly the same with John Cena over the years. Totally different promo styles and whatever, but like John Cena could get a reaction. John Cena's actual skill was great. The content was absolutely insufferable. So all of that sucked. The... I could talk a lot about this. Very helpfully, we got the ultimate gauge of whether this kind of stuff gets somebody over within, what, an hour, an mm. hour and a half? Because Liv Morgan was doing spots towards the end of the 10-man tag that was announced here, and the crowd wasn't really behind her at all. She was just doing stuff, and you got a smattering of applause here and there. This hasn't worked, and it's not working. Uh, Riddle approaches Randy backstage. He's got the t-shirt. Yeah. Randy. Uh, and he's he's thinking like, well, Randy, what are you doing? Why are you dressed like that? Like the way you always dress? He said, we freaky friday last week. I was expecting you to come in as, as me this week. I was even going to let you ride my scooter. 
and uh, Orton said, you're even more brain dead than I thought if you thought I was going to ride a scooter barefoot to the ring. I love this dynamic between the two of them. Uh, he said, look, what we need to do now, we've got a tag team title match all of a bloody sudden. We need to be ruthless. We need to stay 10 steps ahead of everyone. And Riddle says, yeah, yeah, good point. Just show your eyes for a second. And he pops a little wig on Orton's head. And Orton looks at him and says, he looks in the mirror briefly and then says, if you don't take this off my head in two seconds, and Riddle obliges, and they just move on from it. I just, I like the dynamic between these two. I thought this was going to be quite a a miniature sort of, oh, about odd couple. Oh, they win the titles, then they immediately lose them, and then they split, and then they fight. But I'm invested in this. Yeah, they're deepening the heft week on week with silliness that is masquerading as something that will genuinely get the fans on side with Riddle. Given how much he eats pins and all the rest of it, I wouldn't forecast superstardom for him just yet. But look, they wanted a way to get Randy Orton in a wig, right? And they arrived at it inoffensively. And they know what they've got with these two, because I randomly saw an advert with them shilling for, I don't know, either like Black Friday or Christmas deals of like, oh, here's all the stuff we could sell. And it was the dynamic of Riddle being like, whoa, look at this. And Orton being like, yeah, it's all right. Can we just get on with this? I don't usually do this. I usually, in fact, do the complete opposite. I'm going to invoke Dynamite as a comparison, but unfavorably. We see a lot on Dynamite of veteran star talent working with either career mid-carders who really should be main eventers or really young guys who should be um, main eventers in the next two or three years. And the results vary on who's actually getting the rub. We talked a lot about Chris Jericho and just out with an air, Orange Cassidy. Did Orange Cassidy benefit at all from that? Mm. I think Riddle is getting the Randy Orton rub big time here, and I, I cannot be um, overstated how like genuinely impressive that is on Randy Orton's part. Absolutely. Um, they've tried this with mixed results, I think, with Randy Orton in the past. And in reality, that's about as fair reflection on his entire run, mm-hmm. isn't it? He's not a guaranteed rub or a star maker. There's not such a thing as Randy Dust as there would be with like a Hogan or a Rock or whatever. But he can sometimes. Again, that applies to his work. Sometimes if you just just try, try. And then sometimes it's really, really good. I <laughs> think they're getting there. Mm-hmm. This week, um, I... That's actually like Orton's response when he's asked. <laughs> <laughs> try. <laughs> like this week, I, I, I came up with a fantasy booking scenario for a turn. So I'm like subconsciously, so I must be invested a little yeah. bit. I thought Orton's finally going to cave and he's going to come out dressed as Riddle for that one week on the scooter like kick the flip-flops off the whole deal and then they're going to lose because like a heel stands on his foot or something. He's like, why have I done this? And then he's going to finally turn on Riddle by reaching under the ring and pulling one boot out and putting it on to punt him with Ooh. like in his bro shorts the whole deal. You know, like, look, I tried to be you. What if it was? And I've had enough of it. Like, but the mere fact that it's making you think about it again when it felt a bit dead, didn't it, a couple of mm. months ago. I think they've got this back on track. It feels very, very WrestleMania ready. Yeah, it's, All it's, of it's, it's, it's the perfect position it needs to be in, yeah. what, nearly December before on before we head towards Rumble and Mania season, of course. Uh, and then we got the, I believe, record-breaking Randy Orton match, if I'm not mistaken. Was this bollocks last week? Or? No, because he didn't, didn't wrestle last week, did he? It was just Riddle, and uh, he was yeah. dressed as Orton. I don't think that counts if someone just cosplays as you. It's TV matches, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Christ, imagine seeing every single one of these. Imagine record. doing a list on it. Record. <laughs> Everyone ranked from worst. worst to best. All worst. Think of like the <laughs> Mick Foley at the top or something. Then like every other. <laughs> uh, right. So it was Randy Orton and Riddle versus the Dogs uh, for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Um, 
pretty bog-standard match, this. Um, initially, Rude and Ziggler take control by attacking them as soon as the bell rings and isolating Riddle. Um, Orton uh, fights back when he's been isolated. Hot, uh, hot tag after a back suplex to Riddle, who comes in, kicks and punches people and suplexes and sentons both of their opponents. Uh, he also catches Rude with a draping DDT, which Orton absolutely adored. Uh, Orton comes in. They both set up for RKOs. This synergy's getting better, but they both got countered. Ziggler hit a zigzag on Orton for a nice near fall, and then Orton dodged a super kick and hit an RKO on Dolph Ziggler for the one, two, three. A nice straightforward title defense. Yeah, nice and straightforward. That's it. This is the... This is the worst kind of WWE content to review because it's not bad in ring, but nothing happens that you're ever going to remember or rewatch. It's a match that feels like it's taken place a hundred times, even though it's probably only been once or twice because the dirty dogs haven't even been on Raw that long. But that's that Dolphin Randy feeling that you get whenever they're sort of in each other's postcode. Just this is this is WWE producing content. Wrestling happened in front of me. I quite like this. <laughs> I couldn't believe the zigzag near fall yeah. because they just lulled me in through the drama of the match, into somewhat buying it as a finish. So I, I watch the stars like they are plowing through this irrelevant heel team <laughs> who just gets beaten like a drum every single goddamn week. Why would I care about this? And then like, what, five minutes later, I'm like, I care about this. Like, How is that <laughs> actually happening? You know what I think it is? If you don't insult my intelligence <laughs> at the start of the show, then maybe, just maybe, I'll have a little bit more latitude mm. when... Somewhat good wrestling happens later on during it. Like, tone is crucial. My investment and intelligence being treated with respect is crucial and how it shapes my opinion of what follows. We all know Raw's going off the rails by the end of the three hours at one point or another. Oh, yeah, yeah. But don't the, start the off on the wrong foot, basically. Absolutely. Like, I'm in a bad mood all over again in about half an hour's time when I review this. <laughs> but at the start of the night and for the first hour, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I love that, just... like, wig stuff has teed up your emotional investment. Like, they, got, they got a wig stuff. You've got to see these guys. Like, <laughs> Ballard versus it. Rollins having a scheduled match <laughs> that was really good <laughs> without an ridiculous amount of exposition and contrivance to set it up actually put me in a good mood. <laughs> it's almost like I'm consistent. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, uh, Owens approaches Rollins in the back uh, and he says that he's been told that uh, if he beats Big E in the main event tonight, he's going to be added to the title match to make it a triple threat match at day one per Adam Pearce. And Rollins laughs and says, <laughs> good joke. And he goes, no, go and, ask, go and ask him. So he does. but It's a bit of a ploy, this, from Kevin Owens. He goes and tells Pearce about this. And Pearce is like, what are you on about? No, we've never said this. And Rollins th- goes, oh, thank God leaves, and then Sonya Deville goes, what's all that about? And he goes, oh, Owens was saying if you won the match, you should make it a triple threat. And she goes, sounds like a good idea. Wouldn't this just happen anyway? That's what annoyed me about this. It's like when FDR tried to cheat in AEW. It's like, oh, it's really nice that you're trying, but there's kind of no point. Because you can get away with murder in these rings, and that's been established. This is the sort of thing where it doesn't really get over as this heel ruse. This, like, wickedly clever heel ruse, because... That's exactly what would happen. And that's been established. It's the thing that happens. If you beat the champion, you get a match. So they've skirted this line with Owens before. And I always think the same. It's always like you, your head cannon is supposed to be Kevin Owens knows he's just surrounded by idiots. So he plays that game instead of playing the logical one. But then who's the biggest idiot of all? It's Kevin Owens for playing with them in the first place. <laughs> like there, it's this was. Kevin Owens was basically picking at how illogical WWE is 99% of the time in order to get his way, and it worked. So as a result, are you then telling your audience that this whole thing is illogical 99% of the time because something like functioned exactly as he would have hoped? It's, it's a gaping plot hole that they've almost attempted to seal by being inept 99% of the time. Mm. They think, well, yeah, of course that's exactly what would happen because we've turned our logic upside down. Right, we'll just have logic the right way up and then it doesn't work. Yeah, but if it's upside down, this nonsense can work. Like, and that's where we this landed the, with the main event. And like, and a, a finish that on it, like, should it, like, this was half decent raw, but you could argue that the finish of the main event ruined it. It was so stupid. It wasn't illogical by definition, but it was pretty thick. And like, you know, if you're a less patient viewer, you'd think, oh, why, why, why am I bothering with any of this? I'll tell, I'll tell you what, you've got to expect the unexpected, as we were informed by uh, uh, big, uh, big uh, boss uh, later on. Unexpected surprise. <laughs> if, you expect, if you expect what you expect, then when the unexpected, I don't know what he's on about. Was this the point where he's like, originally? Like, no, that's a little bit, like, I've jumped ahead here, just because so he's, uh, you, you know, WWE's bollocks reminds me of Vince talking bollocks. He so. was like, come on, show what you're showing me. So you watch the show and he's like, why are you listening to me? <laughs> like, what? He's telling me to watch the show. But that, this is a fair reflection of what it must be like to work for Vince. Do this thing I should do. Okay, I'll do this thing. Why aren't you doing the other thing I've just invented? <laughs> like, is, that, is that what? It's the accurate Vince segment ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, next up we have... Also, the- sorry, just an, as an aside. Fine, I get what they're doing. It's this idea that like, oh, he's going to be a star. They're pushing him the whole deal. Like, it's a bit weird, this. Like, Vince is a hundred billion years old. And he's like, hey, come, come here, young man. 
she didn't watch Roma. I don't really want to. I'll make it worth a while. <laughs> it was a weird energy. That's, weird. That's a great Vince. A, like a bit of Squid Game energy going on here. If people have seen the later episodes, perhaps. How would this have looked? I haven't. If I watched the first episode and I thought, I think this is going to be overrated, I'm not going to bother. Oh. Um, I, how would this have looked if this was a woman? If they were trying to push a woman that's Austin Theory's age. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. And this was the Liv Morgan push instead. Come on, come on, Liv, and sit what's wrong with me. I, I, don't, I don't want to Vince. Sit down and make it worth your while. 1.2 million views in a, in a day. <laughs> and then he gets her in a pie in the face. Like, like, Three million by... Watch some power. I don't know why he's... He wants some power. He's AJ Styles, I've realised. My impression of him then was... Want some power? We got what a new mapa. We've got to get to AJ Styles, the real right. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit because uh, we had a major <laughs> we had a major return on last night's show, an absolute legend returning to Monday Night Raw, and Edge was back as well. Uh, he said that the last time we saw him, of course, was in that brilliant, uh, genuinely brilliant Hell in a Cell match um, where he was facing Rollins, who's now, of course, the number one contender, and he says, "Hey." Rollins deserves it. He's operating on a whole other level right now. And he says he's ready to fight someone new. And there's a long list of candidates. AJ Styles. Oh, my God, do that for WrestleMania. That's the match right there. But anyway, he also lists Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Damian Priest, and, of course, the WWE champion, Big E. But before we can go any further, who could have predicted this? Oh, me. Uh, the Miz interrupts. He is flanked by the Mrs. Maurice. Great to see her back on TV as well. Uh, and they show clips of The Miz uh, competing on Dancing with the Stars. And Miz gets back and says he's pissed off. Uh, gets back on the mic and says he's pissed off that Edge got the big return announcement, the press release, and then he's the real star. Come on. Uh, he says, is that all your career is now, Edge? Just returning for a big moment after an injury or a retirement. Uh, he's happy to announce, Miz, though, that Maurice is back. But he was pissed off with Edge for not listing his name in those uh, potential opponents he could face. And uh, Edge takes the piss out of him for dressing as a genie on Dancing with the Stars. And Maurice defends him, says how great he is. Couple goals, honestly. Uh, and then Edge mocks him for not even coming close to winning Dancing with the Stars. And Miz says, well, that's the fault of each and every one of you. But the Miz sort of makes something like that work uh, for not voting for him. Um but Edge says, I know the reason why you're targeting me. You want to get yourself back in that main event picture. And he God, grabs the audience kicking and screaming into shouting, Miz sucks, basically. Um, but Miz said, I don't need your help to be in the main event. I was WWE champion eight months ago, and you haven't been a champion in a long old time. I've surpassed Edge, uh, and you should have just stayed at home. Uh, and Edge said, look, yeah, I'll admit, you know, I'm, I'm getting on a bit. I maybe can't fight for much longer. But there is a reason why everyone in the back wanted to be across the ring from me. You spend too much time complaining. And he said, look, you've done a hell of a thing, the way you've got into the... Uh, through tough enough uh, and, and beating John Cena at WrestleMania. Um, he says, hey, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. You've got people on other shows saying your name just to get a cheap reaction. You live rent-free in a lot of their heads. Um but he talks then about how hard he's worked to get back here, whilst Miz was just using this as effectively a launching point for his next reality TV show, a next endeavour, whilst his tag partner got fired. He says, the biggest difference is you come out and expect respect. Ah, earn it. And Miz removes the shades. He's ready for a fight. And Edge says, come on then. You want to have this out? Let's go. And Miz Takes off his bandana. It's getting serious now. Says, you want to dance? You want to fight? 
do you want me to fight him? The crowd, yeah, yeah, let's have a fight. And he says no and just tucks, tucks his tail between his legs and hightails out of there. This, for me, had good elements, but can't help but feel this is, Mom, can we have MJFC and Punk? No, you've got MJFC and Punk at home. Yeah, did it remind you of anything? Because this <laughs> reminded me of something really quite um, a lot. It wasn't just the structure of the segment. It wasn't just the way they tried to put one another o- over, but bury them at the same time. It's like the premise of why they want to fight or why the Miz wants to fight with Edge is identical. <laughs> yes. Identical. CM Punk tweeted, however many months ago, before he even signed with AEW, or who do you like in AEW? Oh, Starks, Jungle Boy, Hobbs, uh, Pillman Jr. There's there's others, but that's it for now. So they've... Tweets are canon in AEW. Like, WWE isn't canon in WWE, so that's what <laughs> I really liked about it. And then MJF is like, oh, couldn't help but notice that you didn't... And that's how it started. Is it identical? Literally, oh, I want to come back and work with blah, 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 blah. And the Miz is like, hmm. So they're copying the homework. So you can't then credibly get that line over. I liked it in isolation. Like, but you're not, yeah, I'm sorry, you're not allowed. Before I go two-footed on all of it, because I thought it was all right, WWE stuff, even if it was very familiar, the timing was just suspicious. Um, particularly in that arena, I just had such TNA energy. When you're in an arena where the competition has outdrawn you, to do a worse version of a segment the competition literally did four or five days ago, mm. whenever it was, like that looked really low rent to me. Um, it's never something that WWE's tend to have done historically, so I thought it was a bit of a cell phone. I'm going to put Edge over, and I'm going to bury him a little bit as well. The cheeky bastard accusing CM Punk of trying to get a cheap pop, right? When Edge was, like, grabbing people by the shoulder. Chant this in three seconds. Chant this in three seconds. CM Punk had the trust in both the audience and himself, knowing they were going to chant Miz at MGF. He didn't have to do anything half as desperate as that. So for him to say the other bit was desperate, like... I'm all for shooting on both sides. Genuinely, I think it's more interesting than anything else. Well, there's loads of things more interesting. More interesting <laughs> than not. But come on, don't be a dick about it. I will put Edge over, though, because I finally got an elusive glimpse of Edge when he was scripted by Brian Gewertz. Mm. Mm. The deadpan of his delivery early. I didn't think he was dressed up like a G. <laughs> like his deadpan was... come ninth. His deadpan was actually really good. It wasn't like he wasn't being vicious. He was just matter-of-factly stating things that had happened mm. in like a really pleasing register that was comedically amusing. But this kind of had a TNA vibe to it. I will do the John Morrison bit first because I thought it was totally unnecessary. Like they were on the way to something I thought that was particularly great. And then that came up again. It's like, oh, so this has become become a theme now. That was when you realise that they're more than happy to use this and it's so unnecessary. And it's not very, like, at least when Becky Lynch did it, she's the heel. Like, mm. they're going to say, oh, well, I, I deserve getting paid. So, I, I, like, tough tits that your friends are out of work because I'm earning this big wage. Edge did it just to score a point. And he's not his friend. Well, they would, they'd, they'd split, yeah. yeah. So, like, but, you know, Edge did it as a point yeah, scoring. Yeah, yeah. That's not that great. Um, and it just felt really disconnected from the rest of this thing, which was otherwise almost entirely in character which does at least highlight that you've got two really well-drawn characters, especially by WWE standards. It's only because they've been there so long, but they've got legacies and histories and characteristics that you can actually pick at. As Cedric says, this was the, the model thing of trying to put somebody over before you bury them and all that. I liked tons of this, loads and loads of it. Um, two 
fundamental problems is that I don't want to watch Edge versus Miz. So there's going to be no promo that'll ever sell me on that match. Yeah, it's not eleven years ago, is it? Aye, like the, no, nothing they can do, and this is probably the peak of it. Will ever sell me on this singles match? What if they've got Beth and Maurice in their corners? That neither. So that's an issue with this. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the curse of this comparison is there. If you have, if only you could see his face. <laughs> <laughs> like they've invoked the comparison. They've actually invited. It'd be one thing if there was, they didn't go anywhere near it, and then people just said, "That looks a lot like the thing we saw, but inferior." But they've actively mentioned it, so yeah. they're welcoming that criticism as well. So that's less than ideal. Um, people talk about wrestling guilty pleasures, and they think of cartoonish nonsense or doink or double cages or whatever. Legitimately, my wrestling guilty pleasure is I like the Miz, <laughs> and I do feel because <laughs> I often think I don't know why. I just uh, like other than like uh, a nice experience of seeing him win the title and a very nice holiday, and I genuinely think that might be where it's rooted in. It definitely but, is, in it? But I really like the Miz. Happier I, times. Yeah, uh, yeah, happier times. <laughs> and as a result, one of the things, and, I, and I, I like the Miz a lot, I love CM Punk, love him dearly, and this year has reminded me how much I love him. The Miz is in his head. and uh, when that, always been in his head. When that promo happened, I'm just popping and marking out like everybody else, and we're doing a podcast on it, but I am thinking, hang on, nah, like... More needs to be said about the fact that, like, you're always gotten to by The Miz, and you always will be. It's always The Miz. It's always that WrestleMania main event. We're so far gone from CM Punk in WWE that I don't think he does care about the WrestleMania main event. But a little bit of him cares that The Miz got there and he didn't. And I, as a Miz liker, I'm like, I'll take that one, Phil. And I like that this promo was the opportunity for, like, a swing back in CM Punk's direction because it was never going to come from MJF. The opposite had to happen. He had to take that as an insult, you know? And had it have come in any other way from the Miz, it wasn't going to work. Mm. It had to come in the way it did here. And I quite like that because I wanted Miz to get one back and this was the only context that would work. I also really appreciate the detail of Miz blaming the right people for getting eliminated from Dancing with the Stars. Those people didn't vote for him. It is They were mentioning it every week, you it bastards. It is each and every one of you's fault in maybe the only time that that line is true. And Miz is and great. he gave his all by the looks of things. I mean, I didn't watch a single second of it, but, you know, I saw the photo of him dressed as a genie. And so. maybe this is why I like Miz, because he kind of does polish a lot of these WWE turds. And I, I've got Always a certain... Always everything 100% that I've boy. got a certain respect for it. I'm glad Maurice is back. She's really good for the act. Like, really, really great. Helping him get over and stay over when mm. Miz stuff gets boring. Yeah. Um, I love her. Yeah, I, I just don't want to watch the match. I thought this was about as good a thing as Edge has done since he's been back. I'd like, I'm I'm probably forgetting something obvious, but I feel like this is probably the most I've enjoyed Edge. It's probably down to the idea that there was some patter buried in there. Yeah, well. outside of the, like, the hell, I thought the Hell in a Cell match was a brilliant way to go away for a bit. Probably not worth mentioning that because why is he not getting a title shot instead of Seth? Yeah. He's the number one contender. Never mind, never Right, let's move on to, I think, our favourite moment of the show collectively. Uh, it was uh, AJ Styles and Omos getting interviewed backstage, um, talking about what happened last week, where I sort of rolled my eyes and went, oh, this is just stupid, pointless stuff. Using a fire extinguisher on Omos and then on AJ Styles. And uh, what was the point of all that bollocks? This, I take it all back because Omos has got his face covered, as they re-showed in the replay, AJ Styles got a tiny bit of spray in the face because he's flying past because he's going for a phenomenal forearm. But when Sarah Schreiber goes to talk to him before the Street Profits have their match, <laughs> AJ Styles has <laughs> sunglasses on and he's claiming he's now blind. He's been <laughs> blinded by this slight bit of fire extinguisher he's got to spray his face. Almost absolutely fine. Stood next to him. In fact, almost had to help AJ Styles shave this morning. <laughs> and he says, 
He says that the street poppers are going to get burned. Already, you knew you were onto a winner here, didn't you? Oh, my God. I'm so happy this happened to my life. <laughs> Genuinely hilarious. Pissful. Well, let's get let's get into it because we got the match. Street Brothers versus Alpha, Alpha Academy. Let's do the recap of the match and then we'll tell each other our favourite lines. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the post post interview and because they come and they're coming out to do do commentary. AJ Styles, blind man, doing commentary. That in itself is so great. Almost has had to leave AJ lead AJ Styles. He almost walks into some boxes as he leaves the interview. He's like, "Thanks very much," and then just walks off. And he's like, "No, no, 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 not that way, not that way." He goes to commentary, trips over the ring steps. Like, that is just slapstick that I'm actually on board with Vince McMahon there. Almost leads him to his chair. They do commentary. Um, f- uh, the match is short. It's like three minutes. But Ford gets taken out of the air by Otis. And AJ basically says, who's winning? Right, we'll talk more about this when we get to the end of the match. Ford hits this huge dive, as he often does, to the floor. And AJ starts all of a sudden takes his sunglasses off and runs onto the apron to try and distract <laughs> Ford and cost him the match. Ford just knocks him off the apron, hits a frog splash on Chad Gable. One, two, three. Post-match, Styles just lays on the ground and looks up at Omos. He looks really disappointed in him, basically. But the match was one thing. AJ Styles, blind AJ Styles on commentary was a completely different ball game. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I'm trying to, because people don't watch Raw. You have to go and watch this. <laughs> you have to go and watch our I said, Andy said, oh, I just, skip, I just skipped the match. I didn't really catch the commentary. I was like, well, you have to go back and watch it. You now. have to go. Yeah, please watch this. It was so great. I'm trying to describe how f- amusing I found this and how AJ Styles was so great. <laughs> I'm going to try and use an analogy here, so bear with me. Like, humor is a subjective, abstract thing, right? Try and imagine the concept of a joke or something amusing as like a fruit. Right, AJ Styles unhinged his jaw. Right, so his entire, you know, all of the fruit was in his mouth, <laughs> and he chomped down. <laughs> and he went, it's, every single drop was devoured mm. to make this as funny as it could possibly be, and it was all the better for how hammy it was. And it was just weirdly layered in how great it was. This idiot was trying to get sympathy. He wasn't just doing a ruse. He went deep and he was trying to get sympathy. There was a bit where, what's called Jimmy Smith? Yeah. Like Jimmy Smith called some kind of spot. And it sounded like, it was like really exciting. Uh, you're going to do the line, spot. aren't you? And AJ Styles went, oh, really? Oh, it sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> He's disappointed you that he didn't get to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen that. My favorite, <laughs> early on. So he gets led to the commentary table by Omos, and they do the funny, oh, where are you going sort of thing. He sits down, and they go, well, as they always do, oh, joining us on commentary is AJ Styles. <laughs> and AJ turns to his left and goes... Corey, is that you? And then puts his hands on his face. And Corey, I, I'm not a huge fan of Corey Graves on commentary. Guys, but him basically holding AJ Styles' hand and saying, AJ, this is what's happening now. <laughs> right, okay, Montez Ford's going up top. It was immaculate, pamphlet. Who's winning, Graves? Who's winning? <laughs> what a line. Oh, yeah, he, this was... In the... Um, let's go back to it. In CM Punk and MJF... One of the big early big hitters was Punk just diffusing uh, MJF's nukes by saying, I had a week, I had a week, and this is what I come up with. AJ Styles had a week. I love that he spent a week on this ruse. He was like, right, get me to, get me to spec savers, community. Like, <laughs> get some shades to put this over. Um, Boots, yeah. race dark, Gillette. <laughs> you, know, you know when um, there's some storylines that don't suit 
the seven-day window. You know, it's like, why did you wait till Monday or Wednesday or Friday? Why didn't you just deal with this issue in the week? Like, yeah, I've been waiting seven days. So just... Angle or Austin or, or whoever it may be in TNA or, yeah. or, or WWE, finding out who someone is and going, you bastard, I'll tell them who you <laughs> are next week. Just, address it when you need to, rather than this is the perfect example of, a, of something you wait a week for. The Street Profits leave a situation, assuming things to be dealt with effectively. They've managed to ever slightly slay the giant, AJ Styles, whatever. And then this happens to them. And I love that it was immediate. Like, you get one great week out of this. Cedric's analogy with the fruit is spot on. Because there was nowhere really... I dare say that you could have another week of fun with it. But ultimately, as a storyline device, it quickly becomes offensive if AJ Styles is just doing slapstick blind people jokes. It has to be revealed as an idiot with a crap ruse for all of this to land in the way it did. Sublime. Absolutely sublime. AJ Styles has been one of the more probably like underrated success stories of 2021. I don't mean that in like a breakout way is AJ Styles. But just if you consider what's been asked of him this year and in terms of how he really has helped Omos. Like the the big man, little man thing has worked really well. Oh my God, yeah. Like an inspired parent that you never would have seen coming either. Especially not AJ this week, am I right? Um, but then he gets to do little comedic asides like this every now and then. Because this isn't the first, is it? Like, he's been a low-key... We take the piss out of AJ Styles, but, like, he's... He's got both. Yeah, he's sort of knowingly approached that this year in a way that's been far more entertaining. He's dumb than, and dumb on purpose. Yeah. It's great. Like, a lot of the slapstick stuff when he was with the Good Brothers you kind of think, like, they're glad to have him around as, like, in, like, that Our Idiot Brother chemistry. This is different. Like, he's knowingly mocking himself, and I appreciate that. And a nice sort of development oh, to the almost, almost <laughs> AJ Styles story behind him. Just looking at him like, you're meant to be my mentor. What the hell are you doing? I like the idea the next day he rubs his eyes and goes, I can see the curvature of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> that was the fix. That's the, oh, yeah, of course it's not a fish out of hand. I mean, they do, they think, do. what was I talking about before? They do a raw talk where he's wearing glasses and he says, actually, I haven't seen some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Rollins goes backstage again uh, to, to, to see Owens uh, and calls, says, liar, liar, pants on fire. What you said was bollocks, basically. And Owens says, no, I wasn't lying. I'll be Big E tonight. I'm going to be added to their match. And Rollins laughs and walks away. And then we get the more Vincent Austin Look at me when I'm talking to you stuff. And then we get another championship match, the US Championship, Apollo Crews versus Damian Priest. This wasn't great, I think it's fair to say. It was just not two people on the same page. Uh, and shout Are you to- referring to two people to Damian Priest? <laughs> <laughs> and a shout by the way, to Apollo Crews. I, I, I uh, tweeted this gif earlier. Did you see how close he, Damian Priest was to landing on his own I head? I saw it now, Ravoni saw it, talked about it as well. It's just horrific. I just can't, I couldn't get over it. I think Apollo Crews deserves all the credit he can, he can, yeah, he right. deserves. <laughs> uh, Commander Aziz, of course, running interference early on in the match, distracting Priest. That allows Crews to take control with a flying knee strike. Uh, later on, Aziz got involved again and, and got sent to the back. And uh, yeah, that was when... And amongst all this is when Priest came off the ring steps and tried to land on his own neck uh, before Apollo Cruz caught him because he's a ridiculous strong boy and, uh, yeah, <laughs> ridiculous that. But anyway, when you get to the bollocks finish, uh, Sige, Priest pulls the face, pull it coming up from the outside, chokeslam reckoning, one, two, three. Ooh, I'm not a fan of this. Well, Damien Priest looks like a tit when he does this. Let's be honest. Let's be absolutely light on the side. <laughs> 
He looks like he's trying a, to find out who I am. <laughs> he looks like an idiot when he does this. I can't take him seriously. It makes him look like an asshole. Please dispense with this and give me another list entry for three years' time. I remember Damien Priest did this. <laughs> so that's bad, right? Damien Priest is kind of a bit rubbish at times. He's kind of a bit rubbish. And it wasn't just everyone almost really hurts themselves in pro wrestling. It's pro wrestling. Yeah. But like you referred to it as a flying knee. It was like a flying tea bag. It was one of the <laughs> few times in the, his, the modern history of WWE when they've just decided to just do their new production thing, which is the, the worst thing that we never talk about enough because it's just, you'd be here all day yeah. talking about how ineffective it makes TV look. They switched the shot this, upon impact as they tend to do. And it's like, you've just saved it there because nothing connected without. <laughs> Damien Priest has had a few shockers this year, like, and I'm starting to think... Yeah, I was pointing the thing more at Jeff Hardy, and I'm thinking maybe Priest and that <laughs> like, right was the reason that it's always been a, a very low curve, a low bar, whatever you want to. I've mixed up my metaphors there, but you know what I mean. Is Damien Priest's 2021 hasn't been risible enough for it to get buried online? That's nowhere near enough for him to be a Royal Rumble winning candidate at this point. Like his work, drastically uneven. He's not really over. And I know very few are, and that doesn't really matter. Because Drew really wasn't until he started doing 3-2-1 with a bit of a conditioning response from the audience. And then, you know, he made it work. But yeah, this was a bad week. Yeah, I d- a bad I d- week for Priest. His stock's never been lower. I, yeah, I, d- <laughs> I don't like this gimmick. And also see things like that and think that more writes itself into he gets eliminated, pulls the face, and then takes out whoever it was who eliminated from the Rumble, for example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'd, we were never saying... It's quite impressive that Damien Priest is sort of getting away with WWE's booking. We, know, we weren't saying that as a test to find the thing that would stop that happening and no. we, they would finally find the <laughs> thing that would, would ruin him. How is it that Damien Priest went through the entirety of his NXT run and didn't have a duality of man story and now he's having it on the main roster? He dodged it from Sean and Paul and now he's getting one off Vince instead. Duality of hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's rubbish. This character, maybe this will be the thing that finally derails him because that visual in the Royal Rumble is suddenly far stronger than him pointing at a sign, isn't it? Um, because it seems to be, based on the Survivor Series, if not what's happened on Raw, it seems to be leading to a heel turn. And he cannot carry that off. Like the one thing you've got to do with a guy as big as him and as limited as him is keep him as a baby face yes. and just be like, well, the impact stuff he does is going to eventually get over if you just put him in that top spot. He would be a force of will push. And I think, it would, I think that would work with Damian Priest. I think you would just sort of accept it and he would be... You know, he would beat big stars and he would kind of get just enough off them. But I, this this duality of Damien versus Priest might be the thing. Two, that, two entries in the Rumble. What? Priest <laughs> might be the thing that does him in. This is a rhetorical question because these reviews go long enough. So don't answer it, but this is just... Just let it float on the... Percolate. Float, that's a percolate. Float on the wind. What on earth does the WWE title match at WrestleMania 38 look like? Damien versus Priest, two final wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rollins again is hanging about backstage, goes to see Postman Pierce and Sonny Deville to find out what, what exactly is going on. Uh, and Pierce said Deville liked Owen's idea so much, it's official. Uh, if Owens beats Big E tonight, it's a triple threat match at day one, and Rollins is not happy. That was followed by the Mysterios versus Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Skip. Skip. No electric chair, and the Mysterios won. Uh, uh. Wait for it. 
Enough all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't add the air. I like doing the air. <laughs> he's not, oh this. god, we can't have an air button. That was, <laughs> wasn't even his voice. <laughs> it was the soundboard's voice. We finally voice. got it on the soundboard this week. Uh, this week's five star review review is brought to you by Sean Turner. And if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful raw segment, uh, subscribe to What Culture. Never heard that name. And leave us a five star review on iTunes, or like Sean did. Uh, I'm sure he'll do stuff on iTunes as well. He emailed me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. He's left his lovely review here, boys. He says, Adam, uh, truly thanks for all you and the entire What Culture team do. Sean from Pennsylvania, he says, uh, hello there, my very good friends. In today's five-star review review, I will tell you why the What Culture Wrestling family of podcasts deserves 7.5. Two, five, seven and a quarter stars out of five. He says, hey, if Uncle Dave could do it, so can I. I mean, log into the app, Sean, and find an app to do it. We'd really appreciate the <laughs> algorithm. Stars one, two, and three. Let's be honest. The top three stars must be Adam and the Dadly Boys. The iconic enthusiasm of Wilborn, the critical insights of Sidgwick, which the mega fans do forgive, uh, and the eternal optimism of Hamlet for are the three pillars of the What Culture podcast. <laughs> Uh, stars four and five, the rotating cast of other contributors from Phil's now legendary wrestling sign-off after wrestle culture wrestling uh, to Andrew Pollard's solo Sunday news from Andy's H, which today stands for huge bap, uh, to Cleary occasionally blessing, blessing us with his corporate presence. Each one brings their passion for wrestling and what sort of fun to make fundamentals? Great fundamental. To the table. Shout out to everyone else, else as well. Nicholas, Jules, Gareth, Benroy, you're all awesome. Uh, star number six, I no longer have to watch WWE, thanks to your coverage. <laughs> uh, star seven says, the Global Bastards has wreaked havoc on my mental health. The way in which the boys have helped provide consistency, positivity, and a sense of belonging is, in all seriousness, positivity. invaluable. Uh, thank you. And the final quarter star goes for Salty Dog, because he's a good boy. He says, uh, for today's five-star review review, in the honor of the fact I turned 40 later this month, that was a while back, so happy belated 40th from all of us here at What Culture, Sean. Uh, he says, I welcome Hamlet to choose anything, anything from the golden era of the WWF. I look back on it all with the rose-colored glasses of childhood. Prove to me that there was true crap even back then. Happy, thank you for that, Sean. Yeah, happy belated birthday, and thanks. That's like, really thoughtful. I joke about the reviews. We do really want them for the algorithms, but the emails like that are nicer, yeah. and you get more space to write things like that, so we do appreciate that. It's good for the eagles. I'd love to see you. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Good for the Eagles, if not for the charts, which are even better for the Eagles. Um, yeah, I appreciate being given the opportunity, but there's like there is a wealth of it. We, me and Sidgwick, were raised on the same diet of that era WWF, and it's all good to us. But we are also old enough and wise enough to know that a lot of it was crap, and that's why I just thought about snakes. Nineteen ninety one and early nineteen ninety two WWF was frightening. Yeah, there was loads of really scary stories. I don't want to go through them all because one day they might make good review fodder for this. Um, but I just thought when you said golden era, I just thought about stuff that frightened me as a kid. And in 1991, there was an awful lot of frightening snake stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to go down the obvious route because we, it wouldn't be fair on a five star review. Like Randy Savage and Jake Robertson, the Cobra is one of the greatest wrestling angles ever, mm. ever, ever, ever. Even now, hasn't lost a, like a shred of power or anything like that. This, on the other hand. 
kind of gets forgotten because people go Cobra and they immediately go to the Randy Savage thing. This was the first appearance of the Cobra because it was to set up. This is the payoff to an angle, so just for a bit of background. Yeah. This was to set up Jake the Snake Roberts turning heel for the basically since the first time he arrived in WWE as a heel. He'd been a babyface. The Snake stuff was too popular. He was too beloved. Then things went a bit dark for him in the summer of Night Night One because Earthquake sat on Damien. <laughs> That is gonna send, yeah. That's gonna send a man, right? Earthquake made burgers out of Damien, so Jake uh, wanted to find his dark side again. And at the same time, the Ultimate Warrior was feuding with the Undertaker, and he too needed a dark side of his own. So it was like, oh, we look like strange bedfellows, but this is sort of perfect. Jake can find his darkness again after Earthquake sat on his snake, and he can lead Warrior to the dark side and lead him to the dark side. He would. All of that, even now, I'm sort of glorifying it because I can't not love it a bit. This is short crap and wrestling related. This is that. So yeah, there's this eerie music as they walk through an area that looks like it's straight out of an I'm a Celebrity task. It's the labours of the warrior, I should say. Like, they yes. didn't have five matches. He's been buried, had, hasn't he? Yeah, various segments where Jake introduced him back to the dark side. So he says, uh, now we've gotten to the place that holds it all, brother. Inside this dark room, there's a coffin. And in that coffin, Lucifer himself. He says, you know what Lucifer has for you? The final piece of the puzzle. You've trusted me to this point. You've reached out and you've given me your hand and you've believed in me. You've opened your soul and let me have it. But you need to step inside this room because... In this room is that coffin, and Lucifer sits waiting for you. Reach in there, grab him by the throat, and let him give you the answer. And uh, Warrior, I, honestly, that's all like beautiful, lilting, wonderful, uh, expressive dialogue there from Jake. Over to Warrior. <laughs> the trust I had before did me no wrong. The ultimate warrior has no fear. Let me in. <laughs> Love the exposition. Well, it's been fine so far. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> he also says, doesn't say let, I did the let me in gimmick for the Bray Wyatt thing, but he also says, let me in. <laughs> What's happening here? So Jake opens the door. It's a proper scary story, creaky, <sighs> creaky door. That's and a he, good creak. It's a very good creak, that Michael Sidgwick. And uh, I like the fact that Jake sort of, I assume, improvs. Sounds real nice, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Jake says, it's, it's dark, but go on. You're not afraid of darkness. Learn to live. Learn to slide in, Don't my man. Go <laughs> forth. You'll find the answer in the center of the room, warrior. I know it's dark, but find it. And as he's saying this, he's shutting the door and putting the, the wooden, what's it called? Just a, he, bolting the door, yeah, basically. Yeah, big lock thing, right? Uh, <laughs> I love warrior. He goes... I'm stepping on. What is it, Snake Man? I love the fact he calls him Snake Man throughout this. And you keep saying, I'm not sure about this, Snake Man. What could it be, Snake Man? <laughs> so uh, Jake says, maybe I'll shed a little light on the subject for you, big guy. And he flicks the switch. Guess what's in there? It's only snakes. <laughs> it's a room filled with snakes. Uh, and, and the warrior sort of, in his own, let's say, inimitable way, sells for the snakes. Ah! 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 <laughs> and uh, Jake says, what do you think about that? Just a few friends. They look like cocks. I can't be the <laughs> They look like cocks and everyone knows that's wrong. Everyone knows that's wrong. So <laughs> let me just check one. Let me check another one. <laughs> just a little skin prick. Nothing that'll hurt you, Jake. The bloody does. bigot. <laughs> so uh, I read an interesting thing about this, which is in the comments. It's not, a, it's not a, you know, one of the fun ones we've got at the end. So apparently, as Warriors trying to get through this room filled with snakes that are everywhere. They're on the ceiling, they're on the coffin, uh, and they're on the floor. It's self-frightening, this, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. Like, 
just walk through a floor made of snakes, effectively, right? But he is volleying these snakes left and right <laughs> to get out of the way. absolutely booting them in right. the space. And apparently, Jake said to him, because Jake's got a lot of experience with yeah. snakes, obviously, over the years. He said, right, all you need to do is just slide your feet along the floor and the snakes won't kick off, effectively, because you're sort of, you know, you're pushing past them, but you're not, you know... Kicking them as hard as you can in their head. Or he didn't do that. Apparently his legs got torn to pieces shooting this. Because, yeah, it's going to be a twat and kick snakes. So the first, when you watch this, the cuts, are like, initially you're thinking, ah, oh, he's not actually with the snakes. Yeah. The super close-ups on the snake, super close-up on the warrior. And we know he's the, what, what we're going to get to with the big finish. Maybe he was never with the snakes at all. And then they do this, like, slow zoom out of a snake that's about to, like, crawl over the, slither over the warrior's foot. Just for that moment of realism, it's like, oh, he is in the room with them. And so you've had all this, like, fooling you, and then it's like, no, we want to go hyper real. The second it slithers near him, bang! He just <laughs> chips it into the Shira! top bin. Chips it into the top bin. Like, I can't, this snake just also freeze-bits in the air. It's like a living animal. You say about, like, when we watch this as kids, or, you know, whenever you got to watch it, it's bloody terrifying, yeah. right? It's terrifying today. They cut to a bit with the snakes on the floor. And I'm not joking. Go and watch this clip on YouTube. Because there's a bit with a snake with another snake in its mouth. It's eating a smaller snake. There is one. Um, there's like a, a light over the tombstone, the big centerpiece. Mm. And there's one that like hangs down from the light and then just starts to like swing itself and the prop starts moving with the snake's power and warrior's got to be like, like what's he going to do nut it like, just spark it clean out so uh, where are we with Jake he says oh you can do it warrior uh, if you want the, want the answer you'll reach in the coffin and find what the undertaker's made of now come on let's get to the centre of the room Come on, it's part of what you've been through. You were buried in dirt. You were buried in a casket. I brought you through it. Trust me. Go to the center of the room. Um, and he, of course, slowly opens the coffin. And, well, how would you describe the cobra appearing out of it? An Adam Wilborn sock puppet. It's <laughs> 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 like it had Santino Marella behind it. Banter smile. Hey! hey, hey. <laughs> Bang! Bites Warrior, yeah. of course, in the <laughs> face. That Hello! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, my they got with the grin. Like, please go and watch this video and we listen to this. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> it made this prop snake. It's got the biggest smile on its face. I love it! <laughs> And also, I just love Jake. Have fun out there. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love funny. Uh, we put smiles on snakes' faces. <laughs> so J Jake's commentary of this as well is it's just immaculate. Oh, no. <laughs> Not what you expected. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, that's quite funny. And then he says, Not what the doctor ordered, is it? He's been bit by a snake. He's dying. Well... Well, not quite what the doctor ordered, is he? He says, is your, is your heart beating a little faster? Take care of yourself. Getting a little sick now, are you? It's part of it. The red venom's racing through your body. Warriors, obviously. He's got his face mushed against the glass bit of the door. And he goes, oh, snake man. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake goes, come on, don't you give up. It's not over yet, brother. Fight all, fight all you want, warrior. There's nothing left to give me, is there? Drop like the common man that you are. Uh, you can uh, feel the poison running through your veins. Goodbye, cruel world. Goodbye. Goodbye, warrior. And he goes, ha, 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 ha. That's what happens to all good men. 
and he turns, and we get, he's looking past the camera now. He's looking over our shoulder, effectively, and he says, ah, the man in black. Who could that be? Why don't you come and see how the devil's work is done? And at that point, Warrior finally busts the door off its hinges, busts through and collapses as the door falls over and lands at the feet of the Undertaker. And he's barely got the strength to reach out and touch the foot of the Undertaker. And the camera pans up and the Undertaker's got his scary face on. Paul Bear is having some sort of seizure next to him. He's like, I've got the urn. <laughs> And then it, it, it's a... It's a <laughs> I've got the urn! <laughs> it's a POV shot then at this point from, from the warrior's perspective. And he turns to Jake and Jake says, reach out for me. I'm a snake. Never trust a snake. And he chuckles and the, uh, it goes all a bit blurry as warrior dies, I think. I mean, as good as because this program died there. <laughs> Jake Roberts cursed his luck because warrior walked out like three weeks later, extorted Vince, all that deal, SummerSlam 91. Jake didn't get his Warrior program. Oh, they did man. three months of this TV stuff for a feud that never happened. Good. Jake's great. Warrior's great. Snakes are scary. <laughs> Made yeah. me. I'm still talking about wrestling 30 years later. Snakes do it. It's just, I was terrified watching a lot of this. The first one I got, VHS, Silver Vision. It's, I'm pretty sure it's either WrestleMania 6 or SummerSlam 89. They got both at the same time. It was pretty wild. I was like, that's great, this. The Euros win. <laughs> And then the next set of videos, okay, I'm just traumatized. <laughs> very, 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 very scared. But I, I, no, it's not short and crap. It's great. <laughs> uh, well, we'll go to the comment section now. Once again, these do not reflect views myself, the daddy boys. Only on at what culture wrestling? Uh, Keelan writes. There's a message learned from this. Never trust a snake. The most loyal people can backstab you no matter what they think they are. Trust no one. <laughs> oh, who's hurt you, Keelan? <laughs> Sean Campbell. Did he, like, he's had a bad day. Did he go into this thinking, Jake Roberts, there's a guy I can trust. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, this he keeps saying trust me throughout these five minutes. So. <laughs> this will turn my day around. Uh, Sean Campbell, good question this, writes, what happened to this Bruce Pritchard? Yeah, fair. Actually, um, I'm pretty sure he was gone. This was the one year he was gone. Oh, is it? Yeah, this is Pritchard free, this stuff. Unless he was referring to shaky Paul Bearer. <laughs> uh, Trace Pyatt. Right, lol. All I can think of is if this was real. Imagine Warrior being all pumped like he always is and screaming and snarling in the mirror as he's spraying enough hairspray into his goofy mullet or whatever that hairstyle is to erode a hole in the ozone layer the diameter of Nebraska, lol. <laughs> he's really went in on that joke. Really went in there. Jesus Christ. Um, we, deal a lot with, we deal a lot with fancy booking here, uh, Sage. Jay Morpheus, eight years ago, mind, writes... Jay Morpheus... Jake should team up with Jigshaw and start trapping other wrestlers. Most of the ones he knew are dead, but what about the Wyatt family versus Jigsaw and Jake ending with Bray in a reverse bear trap? What the f- <laughs> <coughs> I thought they were talking about uh, the wrestler Jigsaw for a while. I was like, it's a weird <laughs> axe to put together. Uh, and then I got it. It's Everybody, Everybody dies. It's written on my back. <laughs> Uh, and the final comment comes from Christian Marshall, a uh, big fan of this. Uh, they write, right, how are they going to make this horny? Because there's it's been not no horny, horny this stuff. one. This is oh, no wow. horny, thankfully. Which warrior would kick my dick like he did that stage? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it made, it made I wouldn't me be flapping around. <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, love for it in the comment. <laughs> and it ain't a snake. <laughs> there's a lot of love for it in the comments. And God. then some people just take it too little too far. 
There's a big heart emoji in this. It says, nothing will ever top these days. Best thing to watch, stoned as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Never trust this, mate. That's what they say. (laughs) So thank you once again to uh, Sean Turner for the lovely email and that week's five-star review review. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review, or, of course, as I said, you can email them to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Oh, God, we've got so much more of Raw to Are you do. joking? It's really? like to... I know. We'll... No, I just fly through it. Jesus okay, Christ. Okay, we've got Team Liv versus Team oh. Becky Basically, next. think of the Dynamite match last week, the main event, and, like, a really bad version of this that didn't flow as well and the moves weren't as cool or executed as well. Move on. Seriously, I really need a piss really poor. dinner. I, really poor. This. I just want to mention the spot where Belair gets Tamina up for the KOD and the teammates of, of Team Becky come in and drag her off. At one point, you know, they normally drag them off and they piece the person lands on their feet. Nah, not that. I didn't have it. <laughs> went, off you come, and she just c- careered to the floor. Um, yeah, just, just masses of spots. Tra- you know, there was a bit where everyone comes in and hits a move. Uh, Belair hits Tamina with the glam slam, which is the best part of it all. Um, in the end, uh, oh, God, Dana Brooke got, went to go to Superplex, I think. Queen Zelina, my heart was in my mouth on that one. Uh, but then Zelina and Carmella come together to shove Dana Brooke off onto everyone on the outside. Glad it didn't happen in the performance center. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Tamina hits a Liv Morgan with a super kick, but Morgan fights back, hits Oblivion. One, two, three. She immediately gets attacked afterwards by Becky my Lynch. My pap. And uh, oh, the, the, I did, I did pap for uh, Bianca Belair hitting doodrap with the spine buster. That was a nice bit. Um, and then Morgan. Lays out Lynch with an oblivion after countering the manhandle slam. But yes, this was a bit messy, all this. 20 minutes as well. I just wasn't. It was just a, a bad version of last week's Dynamite uh, main event. Let's go. Uh, we got the expect the unexpected segment with Vince and Austin. And that video package they keep showing about Bobby Lashley, which makes you think, oh, cool, so I guess he's a baby face now. Stop showing that if you're going to have him kill the Mysterios collectively. Well, he was a baby face in that match, so... Why are you watching the show, Austin? <laughs> uh, before the main event, we've got Kevin Patrick. He's uh, with Big E, uh, and he says, does the stipulation hanging over the match add any pressure? And Big E, he's brilliant in these. Just goes, no, and walks off. And he goes, oh, sorry, do you want, you want more from me? He says, look, uh, I fear no man, and I fear no Kevin. And he gives Kevin, Kevin Patrick a bit of a look there. Uh, and he said he was going to finally rid himself of the duplicitous scourge, Kevin Owens, and he was going to face Rollins one-on-one for the title. Big E makes the best of what these bollocks interviews are. Yeah, but they give them a lot of rubbish is the problem. I agree with that. Uh, And then we get the final wrap-up from backstage with Vince and and Austin. He says, oh, you had a good time tonight? Yes, Daddy. Uh, He says, "Uh, what have you learned? And he said, oh, expect the unexpected. And Vince says, that's my boy, effectively. And Austin Theory gets up to leave, so Vince slaps the taste out of his mouth. I love weird Vince at Christmas angles. Remember when he made it, just I was punching him in the face and then they just dropped it? Oh, yeah. Yes. I love this. Something happens to him when he's, like, he is bored of WWE most of the time now, Vincent Mann, but he's never more bored than in December. And that's, like, a historic thing. Just doesn't care. Um, old Southern promoters want to run Christmas Day, pal. Like, he doesn't want anything to do with wrestling at Christmas. So he just gets these daft ideas in his head and he does them. And last week when he did the egg stuff and thought, we're going to give this to Austin Theory. And they're like, what, the egg? 
Yeah, Austin Theory. All right, okay. He's like, had this passable main event. Well, better than passable, actually, but like a decent showing in the main event against Big E. He's like, uh, he's my project now. What you got in mind? I'm going to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> Something real physical. I want to see what he's got. Like, what was he said to Shane that time? I'll give an off bin. That's what he said to Okay, boss. I'm known for my potatoes. I'm Irish. Um, just brilliant. Just brilliant, weird stuff. I want more Vince, I think. I don't, I don't wow, know. Wow, okay. I find him oddly captain. There was a point when his odd comebacks were a bit unpleasant. You know that one where the fiend showed up and he just dis- Vince disappeared. I'm not selling for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm back in to Vince. Yeah. I think oh, for all the wrong reasons, mind yeah. you. Oh yeah. Um, right. So then we get Kevin Owens, Biggie uh, in the main uh, event. Rollins was oof. on commentary. I did like Rollins on commentary here. Almost getting convinced at one point by Byron Saxton that maybe the triple threat would be the better option because then he'd prove himself against two men. And then he goes, no, 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 one-on-one's easier. I, 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 stop putting these ideas in my head. Uh, so they, they, you know, go back and forth. Uh, Owens goes to the outside. Uh, Rollins is, is being very annoying on commentary. So Owens just slaps him. Um, and then we get all the big moves from these big boys. Big E hits a splash on Owens on the apron. Owens gives him a DDT on the steel steps uh, to come back. We go to a break. Owens hits a superplex. Big E comes back with those brilliant belly-to-belly suplexes he hits. Uh, but as he goes for a splash, Owens gets the knees up. Big E goes for that spear through the ropes. But again, Owens puts a knee up uh, and manages to fight back and hit him with a cannonball. They hit right hands with each other, just trading blows. And then Owens just pulls a super kick out of nowhere for a near fall. Big gets the STO, gets a near fall off the back of that. Owens pop-up powerbomb, again, two count. Um, Owens goes up to the top and then decides, nah, bollocks, and he just goes out to the commentary desk, beats up Rollins, goes for a stunner on Big E as he gets back in. It gets blocked. Owens hits a super kick. Big E comes back with a clothesline. They're both down, and Rollins has just snapped with this final attack. Comes in, attacks Owens for the DQ, crowd reacts as you expect that they would uh, but Owens is announced as the winner via DQ he therefore gets added to the triple threat match and he laughs walking up the ramp as Rollins realises that he played himself impossible to analyse any of the work because the only impression you're left with is the fact that um, Seth Rollins is a giant idiot and this is a total expected contrived development leading to a match I've got really no interest in whatsoever I did a tiny bit of easy math between them Big E, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens have been on the main roster for a combined 24 years. Jeez. I'm feeling every single second of those years when I see them in the ring together, I just find it so small and up a mid-card and just achingly familiar. I just don't give a toss about any of it, and the finish was so putrid that I couldn't therefore care about the match. Calling this day one, is it, or year one? Day Day one, yeah. Calling this, of all things, day one is a pretty bad premonition of what day 365 (laughs) is going to look like particularly since so you've got this very familiar old main event set up on Raw the last five years of uh, Triple H and NXT you've been retconned and if you go further down the line now for who they could conceivably push knowing what's more realistic than what isn't but Brom Breaker Von Wagner and 
Tony D'Angelo are like the prospects realistically of 2.0, and they probably had 24 matches yes. between them. Calling it day one is yet another WWE self-owned IMO. They can't book. They just can't book. There were so many ways to skin this particular cat. You've effectively had a three-way rivalry from the off, pretty much. Yeah. Seth's got a shot. Owens is getting in amongst it. There's so many ways you could have arrived at this other than the one they landed on. And again, it's like, we're going to end this like largely positive, yeah. I think, review on a pretty big negative because they can't book. Like, you've pointed out something there, which I guess I didn't pick up on when I was watching. And like, the commentary team might have stirred up Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Owens didn't until the very, very end. So the commentary team did a better job of getting Kevin Owens' triple threat rather than Kevin Owens himself. <laughs> Seth Rollins, who understood the parameters of this so clearly that he had to tell himself in front of us all that I will not be suckered into this, and then he was suckered into this. Why didn't he just leave, number one? <laughs> number two, why didn't, as soon as the bell rung, he attacks uh, Big E instead? That's what I was thinking, yeah. Like, as soon as the bell rings, he attacks Big E, and then... If you absolutely must, you continue on with I'm not going to fall into this trap, Owens, and then it becomes, it's almost like, you know, you flip it so that next week Owens is like, right, what's my plan B? I'm going to get into this match. Everybody knows I'm going to get into this match. What's my plan B? And then you've got not only Seth Rollins is on a bit of a roll in ring, but he's also shown a bit of intelligence. that He's more wily than Kevin Owens, and it's like, now you're going to have to work a lot harder than that to get one up on me. He's got one up on him right here, right now, in the easiest and thickest of circumstances. And it just undermines mm-hmm. so much of what, you, what you're attempting to do with this Rollins push. He's a thick, stupid moron <laughs> who's really annoying. And then he has these good wrestling matches. And it's like, what am I supposed to... All of those things up in the air, what am I supposed to think about him? And ultimately, it's nothing because, like, say, like Big E retains against a pair of them. But where does that get us either? It's just real shame because they, they can't do this. Bad writing. Uh, follow me at Adam Sidgwick. <laughs> you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow all of us at What Culture WWE. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we'll be back later on today for the NXT 2.0 preview. But for now, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Uh, my thanks especially to one second, Sean, Sean, Sean Turner, Turner uh, for this week's five star review review. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.